Welcome to Revenue Rehab, your one-stop destination for collective solutions to the biggest challenges faced by marketing leaders today. Now head on over to the couch, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to change the way you approach revenue. Leading your recovery is modern marketer, author, speaker, and chief operating officer at Tegrita, Brandy Starr. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Revenue Rehab. I am your host, Brandy Starr, and I have another amazing episode for you today. I am joined by Brian Powers. Brian has a background managing customer operations and product management. Most recently, he was the chief experience officer for a financial services firm. He's worked closely with marketing to improve revenue, retention, and overall customer satisfaction. Welcome to Revenue Rehab, Brian. Your session begins now. Hi, Brandy. Good morning. Thank you very much for uh, having me on today. I've been watching the other videos. If anybody else hasn't, you can rewind. They're all online and uh, great resources. Yes, I am excited to talk to you. Brian and I worked together, I think that was probably almost 15 years ago um, at AIG. And, um, you know, I think both of our careers have progressed in very different directions since then. So excited to reconnect with you and to talk a bit about customer experience. Um, but before we jump into that, I like to break the ice with a little woosah moment that I call buzzword banishment. So what buzzword would you like to get rid of forever? So since I previewed the other videos, I knew you were going to ask this. So for me and my background, it's in big data. Uh, when we hear big data, and especially when people not familiar with analytics are throwing it around, it, it sounds a little hollow. Of course, things are run and analyzed in aggregate amounts, especially now there's more information than ever, more touch points than ever, and ways to get your, your voice heard by a company. So we're all using big data so we can stop referencing this was developed by big data. Yeah, it is one of those buzzwords that it's almost like, you know, it, it makes people feel like something is more important because big data was involved. And, you know, when that first became a thing, I think it was a big deal. Uh, yes. But now you're right. Like everything is leveraging big data. Yep. Across all touch points, we know more about our customers than ever. That helps shape the customer experience. Uh, marketing, acquisition strategies, and what the CROs are doing. It's all fundamentally built on large amounts of data. Um, so I can promise that at least for the next half hour or so, we will put big <laughs> data in the box um, and we won't say that one. Um, and now that we've gotten that off our chest, tell me what brings you to Revenue Rehab? Well, pending off of a, a discussion we had previously, it's about the role of a customer experience officer, CXO, uh, versus a CRO or CMO, head of marketing, and who owns that overall customer journey end-to-end. Uh, -end. Yeah, and I, I love that. I mean, you know, we wrote the book around the next generation of revenue and how you have to have revenue looked at as a single team and customer experience is a really big part of that. Um, and so really looking forward to diving into that. Um, before I go deep, I believe in setting intentions. It gives us focus, it gives us purpose, and most important, it gives our audience an understanding of what they should expect from our conversation today. So what would you like people to take away? What's your best hope? Well, we're starting with the end. So I would say we, we want people to understand 
the customer's journey is more than buying the product, right? It, it starts with expectations set far at the beginning um, in coordination with marketing. So all the different touch points, the collateral that's made, the training for the sales reps, the website, uh, through delivery and post-fulfillment, right? So when they're in life uh, and even how they exit, right? If you've ever tried to cancel a magazine, it is maddening <laughs> and make it very difficult. So that's great for marketing, it's bad for the overall experience. So you might see that in the surveys. So we have to see the whole journey as holistic. It's not gotcha management. We made the sale and we move on. It's more about that relationship. And now with so many survey places uh, out there, Trustpilot, Yelp, Google, uh, Better Business Bureau, many ways that people can sound off if they're not happy. And that's where the mix between marketing and CX lies. Okay. And so I always like to start with just some grounding questions because uh, I think everybody defines things differently, has different perspective. So from your experience and perspective, what would you consider the role of a CXO? Like what is, what's kind of the scope of that work and, and what should the CXO own? The CXO brings the voice of the customer to every meeting using large amounts of data and statistics uh, and, and true revenue to prove points with others that it's not just about acquisition uh, or even retention. It's the end-to-end -end journey that there's a true life cycle cost for a customer. So it's important to set uh, priorities up front and expectations, what they'll get, when they'll get it, uh, all the way through them receiving these services. So the, the, the role of CX is either owning all the touch points or looking across the whole journey beginning to end and understanding where the friction points are and then working with individual groups to make that less friction process. Okay. I, I definitely love that. And, you know, just being a consultant, I see how different organizations are uh, structured and, and kind of who owns what. And that role of actually owning the whole journey is something that I see that is missing um, in a lot of places. And that is where you get that inconsistency of like a great, you know, sales experience, but then onboarding is, you know, horrible or, you know, you, you like horrible sales experience, but then like, should someone actually buy, it's like great on the other side. Um, and so you have to really pull that together. And so how do you see the CXO working ideally with marketing? Like what is, what is a strong relationship there look like? I think being uh, invited to the different meetings. So one thing about being remote with a lot of people, you can bring others in geographically just with a, a Zoom Teams uh, go-to meeting um, format and have a person from the CX team representing uh, that group and representing the customer. It's almost like having the customer in the room because we're the ones who listen to most of the feedback, do the NPS surveys, monitor the website for comments, and look at the overall purchase behaviors. So it might bring another perspective where we're building something uh, from the inside out versus looking at it from the outside in. It's a Forrester customer experience book saying every process needs to be looked at from the view of the customer. For example, our website, and we call it UX or UI, the user experience, um, made sense to us because we're a bunch of finance per people. But when we put it in front of a focus group, they're like, what, what do these different words mean? And why do I need to sign this attestation? This sounds very uh, uh, financially important. And do I need to have a lawyer? So looking at it from a customer's perspective and using their lexicon, which is very different than ours, 
uh, can make things simpler and reduce costs. Okay, and so where do you see the disconnect happening? Um, because, you know, I would say more companies than not have not mastered the journey and yes. that inside out approach and really making sure the customer's voice is intertwined into everything. And so, like, why do you think that most people are not nailing this? I think we're seeing it due to voice of the customer and we're hearing post-transaction, how did this meet your expectation? And that needs to be shared not just with operations and life, but up front. And they're changing biz, biz dev compensation. So it's not when you make the deal, it's when the customer stays with you for so many years or renews that they get a larger part of the money. So it's more important to them now than ever. And I mentioned gotcha management. One example is from Verizon. I can mention them by name. Um, I, would, I ran customer operations. Our marketing team had a new promotion. Uh, best internet speeds of your life guaranteed. But guaranteed what, right? So people would call up and say, this isn't the best speeds I've ever had. I want my money back. So we started issuing refunds and the calls were lining up. So my costs were increasing. Uh, you know, the, the mandate from finance was quit giving out refunds. But it created this friction between groups. And I went to marketing and I said, you're killing us out here, right? What does this actually mean? And they said, look, if we tell them the truth, we won't make as many sales. <laughs> True story. So I had to go back. I can't just pound on the table, but you go back with data and you say each call costs $6 and we're getting 10% of the customers are calling. We're doing these refunds. Here's the actual ROI of your project. And they understand that better. There's more empathy. They have their goals, but as a company, we all have to work together. Yeah. And I think you just hit on a really strong point, something that I believe uh, very, uh, solidly in is that, you know, what gets measured gets done. And you talked about how sales is being measured, you know, yes. not getting all their comp on the initial sale. And I do think that we really have to align how each, you know, part of the journey, we call it the domino effect, where you're lining up all of those goals to fit together, because you're right. Like if I in marketing am only measured by how many people do we get, you know, to the website that convert, then yeah, I'm going to say whatever I need to say so that, right. you know, people convert. And it's like, my hands are clean. I did a great job. Like that's your problem on the other end. But if we're all focused on that long-term revenue, lifetime value of the customer, and I'm not just measured by feet in the door, then I start to change how I operate. And the same thing you're sure. talking about sales. If sales doesn't get all their money on the front end, guess what? They sell a little different and they well, sell to customers, you know, in a way that is very sustainable. Yes. Yeah, so we want them properly setting the expectations up front. So it's not just that short term. We want to keep the customers. And so we look at collateral um, and I always reference. This is funny. And all my, I always reference things like restaurants. So if the average wait time is 20 minutes, the front desk can't tell you 20 minutes because half the people will be upset. So they want everybody to be happy. So have you ever been told it's gonna to be half an hour and it's really like 10 minutes because they measurement, they don't wanna hear the customers come back because at 20 minutes, my wife is saying that other couple came after us, they forgot us, we're not on the list, go back and check. So that's why you have to set it to like the 95%. So same thing with 
delivery times, right? This is expected within two to three weeks when they know it might be a lot shorter. So we have to work together on what are we actually performing so those expectations are properly set. Yeah, it's the the under promise over deliver. Um, and, and, you know, some people have different opinions on that, but I, I am with you and, you know, stuff happens. And even right. when an organization has the best intentions, if you pad things a little bit, it gives you some wiggle room. You know, I always think about flights. I'm a, a loyalist to Delta Airlines and I generally land at least 20 minutes early almost every single time. And so it gives them the wiggle room of, you know, there was an issue with the boarding gate, not, you know, right. connecting to the plane and it delayed us 10 minutes, but guess what? We're still landing 10 minutes early. So people are happy because it's like, whoa, I know we took off late, but guess what? I'm still at my destination early. And so I think that's kind of the other piece in thinking about that experience is when you are under promising, it also gives your teams the ability to account for the whoopsies of things that just, you know, don't go as planned. Right, right. So it's back to those, what gets measured gets done. In the call center space, we had a really long talk time on average, and we incented people to have a shorter, call it AHT or average handle time. Well, all that upfront getting to know you, uh, empathy and closing, that all went out the door, right? They, we started recognizing people for the wrong metrics. And so you have to pull that back. You know, so what gets measured gets done. Domino effect, your words, uh, to an extreme. Yeah, and that that is a great, you know, I think that's a great point and a place where that CX role being an overlay to all the revenue teams in being that person or that team that really accounts for the customer's voice and journey and kind of dipping their toe in all of the places creates a cohesive experience. Um, so I want to shift a little bit and really talk about the connection between the CXO and marketing and the actual communication journey. Um, because this is, you know, in, in talking to CMOs and other heads of marketing, this is a place where there are a lot of challenges. I mean, it's, you know, kind of the reason our consultancy exists is to solve that communication journey, you know, all the dysfunctions. And you talk about the different friction points. And so what is it if I'm the head of marketing and let's assume I do have a strong CXO in place. If I'm going to them, what kinds of conversations should I be having with that CXO to make sure that how I'm guiding the strategy and direction for my marketing team is actually going to support that frictionless experience, you know, the long-term value of the customer? Like, what should that relationship look like? What kind of conversations and things should we be talking about? Great question. And a lot of that can be done privately so that you're not having that debate, discussion, uh, engagement uh, publicly with others and that discovery because you're the leadership. You, you should know. Um, I've been told before, why, why are we serving our customers? Like you're head of CX, you should know what they want. I'm like, yeah, but then I want to be able to show others quantifiably, here's the demographics who are purchasing, here's the time that they're purchasing and the average retention uh, or by, based on programs. So it's a crossover between marketing and experience, blending in voice of customer to show where are these customers expressing dissatisfaction or satisfaction, right? With certain parts of the product or the overall delivery. The communication is key and that 
they're working together with that outside in lens of reading what the expectations are, looking at all the communications along the way um, and making sure that they steer the customer in the right direction, right? So we had another issue where we were just getting bombarded with calls and people were confused. So we had taken the phone number off the website. It doesn't solve anything because now knock, 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 customers are at your door, they're at your warehouse, they're at your other offices. They still need to have their questions answered. So we can look at pieces of collateral that are going to the customer. What is being explained to them? Is it clear? Or are they coming back with more questions? So it's, and then harnessing that with a large amount of uh, samples to not just say, Mary Jo in Nebraska said, um, but actually what we're finding is 82% of the customers are falling out or clicking this and not following up here. We, like another example is, do we want to put the phone number right at the very top or first you give other digital channel touch points, chatbots, website, mobile app, and then in really small print at the bottom, the, the phone number, because that helps CX marketing. It's like, hey, people want to talk to a person. Let's put the number up top. Let's, another example, sorry. They used to put that on the back of remote controls and the number one call was about the battery needing to be replaced. <laughs> So take the number off, make it, make them do a little bit of work. Uh, maybe they'll do self-discovery and resolve the issue without a call. Um, that's interesting uh, that, you know, people would see a number on the back of the remote and, and think to call for, but anywho, I, I really like, like one of the things you said that I want to kind of go back to, you talked about the data that is available. And <clears throat> I think that is a place where, the marketing leaders can really tap into CX because one of the things that we talk about a lot is like hyper-targeted segmentation, like really segmenting the audience to the point that the communications come across as if they're one-to-one, -one, but being able to do that in masses. And the biggest pushback or, or the most common thing that I hear is, yeah, that sounds great and all, we'd love to do that, but we don't have the data that supports that level of understanding. And what it sounds like is that what CX is doing is a place where some of that knowledge and understanding, you know, may not completely solve the problem, but that it is a real starting point, that that is information that is being collected around who buys, who stays, all those sorts of things. Is that an accurate assumption? It is. And it's a great crossover into predictive analytics for retention reasons. So you, you can look to see if someone has been using their licenses for their software that you sold them, um, or are they logging into your website and using the portal? Because if they aren't and that drops off, through analytics, we can see if that's a leading indicator for potential churn. Then you get the proactive outreach or you ever get the random coupon for a restaurant you haven't been to in a while, they're poking because they feel like you might've moved on to somebody else. They wanna win you back because they're looking at these analytics. So that is a good example of a crossover between customer experience and marketing data. Okay. And I know in a lot of marketing organizations, um, marketing owns the communication journey of how communications are you know going out when they're being sent those sorts of things cx owns the overall journey experience but if i think about like on the customer marketing side there tends to be a little friction there in 
you know, I've seen like a lot, large part of my career has been in customer marketing. And so I've seen a lot of times where marketing's like, oh, we only focus on prospects and this other random team sends stuff to customers. But it's, it is, you know, very like random, like, oh, they're only getting renewal notices or they're only getting these things. And there are no real communications that help with cross-sell, upsell, you know, real retention. It is more transactional. Mm -hmm. um, like, and any thoughts around that friction or, or why? Because I know I've not had visibility into why it's happening. I just see that it's happening. And it's one of those things that I'm like, why does marketing not own that? Why are they not being pulled in? I think every communication is an opportunity to cross sell, upsell if it's not being pushed, right? That's back to how they're being measured. So it's your ARPU, right? So they want to increase that share of wallets. These are probably bad buzzwords too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you want to maximize that without being pushy. You want to have that overall relationship and not try to continue to add on to the services. Um, but you have to look at every communication from the lens of how's the customer going to see this? What are, how do we keep that open rate? And if we continue to spam them too much, you're going to end up just that in the spam folder and they're going to be ignoring that. So these mass marketers on the consumer data, they have to look at the, the open rates, um, identify personas of people who are buying ladies wear versus men's wear, or maybe they're buying children's wear. And then you can target them with those communications that are more targeted and feel more personal based on their personas. So you can discover that through using the demographics, the customer feedback, the purchasing history. And like I said, if somebody hasn't been purchasing or they've suddenly changed their purchasing habits, is it something that you can target with a retention or win back program? Okay. Yeah. And I think that is, that is helpful and it is really it's almost like an organizational change that just has yeah. to happen at some point in that marketing's got to be able to control those communications and, or at least be aware of them. Like I, you know, did an exercise with a client where we were trying to map all of the email communications, like who goes into what campaign, when, at what stage in their journey on both the prospect and the customer side. And in doing some research, I asked, um, you know, it was a software company and I asked like, okay, after they buy, what do they get? And nobody in marketing had the answer. And so I was like, okay, this is your homework. Go talk to all of the people and, you know, come back with what's being sent. And when they did it, they came back with this hodgepodge of emails. It was like, the system was automatically sending some emails that were just triggered because it was software. The, you know, implementation team had their own cadence of communications. There were certain systems they had to get set up in for support and they were sending emails. They all looked different. They were being sent at, you know, the same times. Sometimes it was like conflicting information. And it was like, how does no one know these things are happening. Like, even if you don't yep. control it, how is this not a conversation that's happening? And, and I really think that that demonstrates um, the lack of ownership in a lot of organizations mm -hmm. of that whole journey, because everybody's like, well, we're responsible for this. So we just focus on that. And it's like, no one is really looking across. We, we looked at that 
uh, previously and within one journey, there's 132 different collaterals that could trigger. Um, and yeah, you need to spot those and test them because there's stuff that ends up in there that should not, uh, or they don't have the, an active URL that goes somewhere for that upsell cross sell. Um, I had a, a bad link sent to me just the other day by the county for a, a form. I didn't go into the county and ask for the form. They're like, we've been doing this for months. Nobody. So it's, it's great when people can bring those things up to you that, um, and alert you that customer feedback, uh, dead phone numbers, dead, bad URLs, messaging that's, that's incomplete or in, in the, uh, uh, old language. And then anytime we rebrand all the time right now with companies. So those legacy icons and badges are still on websites that you maybe forgot were there because they're microsites and you don't actively manage them, but they still have the old name, the brand, the old pricing. Yeah. And I think with, um, with AI, that is becoming a much bigger issue because right now, you know, search is one way that is common for people to get to old stuff. Um, but, you know, as people are leveraging generative AI and asking, you know, various AI engines uh, questions that they would normally go to search. It's like you have the potential, you know, a much greater potential for that stuff to get surfaced. Yeah, we call them artifacts, right? So just yeah. because you took it off your site doesn't mean it's not archived on one of these SEO databases. So you need a cleanse. So you can do that internally or use firms to help find these pages that might still exist or if they uh, are searching for it, one of these bots might still come up with one that was changed months ago. Yeah. Um, and I know, uh, you know, AI is, of course, a hot topic. Um, how are you seeing AI impact the customer experience role? AI is fun if it's done properly. I think I wish that people hadn't launched chatbots and the interactive voice until they were fully cooked. Right. They, they've been testing it on us seeing what works. Now they're building what's called large language models. They're learning what interactions work better. There's entire new career tracks for kids coming out of school to be AI agents, AI specialists, conversational engineers. So it's changing customer service in that more and more, we we're talking about segments of people, but the younger demographics choose not to phone. They want to have a less confrontational courage behind the keyboard approach like chat chatbots, a mobile app, or now generative AI, right? So it's improving customer service and that the lower level things that maybe you had to call for before, like making a payment, changing an address, you can do those now by speaking with this AI bot, either through the phone or a chatbot without using an agent. So it's reducing our costs and it's increasing satisfaction or NPS because we're supporting you in the touch point of your choosing. So, so far it's been good. It's a threat because a lot of the menial tasks are going away, but if it's making it faster for customers to get service, they're better. And then analyzing what people are asking for lets us build more functionality into these bots so that it can get smarter and do more things, which hopefully is proactive and not reactive. Yeah, I know. I definitely am a fan from a customer experience perspective. I'm one that I don't like to call. It just is, you know, it's disruptive for me to have to pick up the phone and call to, you know, handle some sort of personal business. I'd much rather be able to do it via a bot or, you know, some places even have where they do it via text. But it is a whole lot more frictionless because I can 
you know, be doing two things at once and not have to give up that focus time, uh, time there. So yeah, it is, it's definitely like, I think the whole customer experience and that journey AI, I agree with you completely is going to play a pivotal role. Um, and you know, even my hope is that because more is done through, uh, technology that customer service as a whole, they'll start to have like higher caliber agents because you need fewer of them. So you pay mm -hmm. them more, you have, you know, that's my, my personal hope as a consumer. I agree. Well, awesome. Talking about our challenges is vert just the first step and nothing changes if nothing changes. And so in traditional therapy, the, the therapist gives the client some homework, but here at Revenue Rehab, we like to flip that on its head and ask you to give us some homework. So if I'm ahead of marketing, I'm listening. I recognize that, you know, don't have the greatest relationship with CX or there's some disconnect in what marketing is doing as it relates to the overall customer journey. What's my first step? Where, you know, where can I start to help to move the needle in making sure that we are creating this frictionless experience? Thank you. Yeah. So what I started to say earlier, um, look at it from the outside in as a customer and I'll pick on my parents who are elderly. And if, if they can navigate our website or order something through the phone, then I know that I've brought it to the right level. Right. Because, okay. but it's like a sm small focus group of a family member. And before you said we weren't aware of certain communications or messages that were going out. So go through your own company's processes with someone who's outside the industry, just to see if something made sense to them, gives you that outside in a different perspective. And the other homework is bring a CX person to a meeting um, or just have them invited just to listen in and understand the planning because then they get to understand the end-to-end -end journey of the ideation through the overall campaign, how it's implemented, what measures you're using to assess that success. I like that. I remember uh, bring a kid to work day was really big when I was younger. So it's going to be bring a CX person to a meeting um, We're fun, as, uh, as a good action item, because I do think that that's why a lot of the silos and organizations exist is the right people are not a part of the conversation. Sure. Um, and, and so tapping into that is important. Um, I, I, I really have enjoyed our discussion, Brian, but that's our time for today. But before we go, how can our audience stay connected with you? Oh, through LinkedIn. If you see Brian Powers Atlanta, I've got a wonderful Photoshop picture up there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, or uh, I'm connected to you as well. So if they're on LinkedIn, they can look for the Brian Powers that's connected to you as, as the best way. Awesome. Well, we will make sure that we link to your LinkedIn in all of the show notes. So wherever you are listening or watching this podcast, uh, you can connect with Brian. Uh, likewise, if you want to continue the conversation, I encourage you go back to episode 19, where I talked to Christina about voice of customer. And I think that really ties into what we're talking about here in that, you know, communication journey and owning the customer journey. Uh, well, Brian, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come to the couch today. Uh, and uh, for those that are listening, I hope you have enjoyed my conversation with Brian. Can't believe we're at the end. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Brandy. You've been listening to Revenue Rehab with your host, Brandy Starr. 
Your session is now over, but the learning has just begun. Join our mailing list and catch up on all our shows at RevenueRehab.live. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Revenue Rehab. This concludes this week's session. We'll see you next week.